Hello and welcome to Nevermind the Bar Charts with myself, Mark Pack. This time it's another joint podcast with the excellent Lib Dem podcast team looking at the local elections. Unfortunately, Councillor Lisa Smart was not able to join us at the last moment, but happy to report that Lisa was re-elected as a councillor with a stonking majority. So, over to John and the rest of the show. Hello and welcome to the Lib Dem podcast. We are back and we're doing a double uh, episode here because we are combining with the Nevermind the Bar Charts podcast. So my name is John Potter. I am the leader of the Preston Lib Dems and I produce the Lib Dem podcast. And joining me is the man that does all the stats so I don't have to and the, and the host of the <laughs> Nevermind the Bar Charts podcast, Mark Pike. Welcome, Mark. Morning, John. Lovely to join you again. Um, and it's, this seems to be like the sort of party's lucky omen, doesn't it? When we talk about doing a podcast about election results, so far, every time, we've had really good results. <laughs> it, it has. It's, we, we, that means we just have to keep doing it, Mark. This, exactly. is, this is what the audience decides. Um, and joining us is one is obviously one of the, the founders of the Lib Dem podcast is uh, Richard Kemp, who has happily been re-elected in the new ward of Penny Lane. I don't know if any of you have heard of that, but I imagine you're humming that tune right now. Welcome, Richard. Hello. Well, nice to be back. And we're going to talk to the former... Lib Dem leader in opposition in Horsham District Council because he's no longer in opposition. We go back back on the podcast. We have Martin Boffy. Welcome back, Martin. What an exciting nine days since our last podcast. It certainly has been, John. It's brilliant to be here. Thanks very much for having me on. And we're going to talk in depth about how that went for Martin, how it's going across the country, what these elections mean. But first of all, I always like to do this before after our election results. So it has been a brilliant night, a brilliant week, sorry, for the Lib Dems, brilliant results. But we should remember that for all the brilliant results, there will be people that didn't quite get over that line or lost their seats and areas where the Lib Dems didn't do as well as what we had hoped. That is the nature of politics, the swings and roundabouts of particularly local politics. And to all those who are feeling a little bit raw, because I was feeling a little bit raw at the end of last week, just remember there's always another election. and Everything you did, none of it was for nothing. Everything you did was for the good of our our joint mission to help increase liberalism in this country. So if you're still feeling a bit raw, it will get better. Trust me. I, I lost my first election by 50 and then I've taken it and I haven't lost one since. So let's keep going. Keep your chin up. And we will. But that is enough of the kind of the more downer kind of issues, because, Mark, I think we'll start with you. It, it was a good result. Yeah, it was a cracking result. I mean, before getting on to all the brilliance, absolutely just want to echo what you said, John. And I know, you know, two of your colleagues locally missed out by frustratingly small margins. And in a way, it's almost worse when everyone else around you is celebrating. So huge thanks and commiserations to everyone who didn't didn't quite make it this time. Uh, but hooray, so many of our colleagues, including <laughs> including all three all three of you also on this podcast made it. And I think for me, the best bit about it in many ways was this is now five rounds of local elections in a row where we've made progress. Mm. And that's a run that we hadn't managed for a very long time to have five rounds of progress in a row. And we're, we're starting to really get back to where we want to be in local government. We now run more councils with a Lib Dem majority than we have since at least 2005. My spreadsheet didn't go back earlier than that, so it's definitely longer than that, but at least, you know, and that's a really big step forward. That's great for the communities. It's great for our local government base. It's also important for the party's long-term national future. So I could bore you with lots more stats, but I think the 
five rounds of progress in a row is perhaps the most important one. Uh, Richard, let's go to you next. So you had you had pretty good gains against Labour. I mean, Liverpool was all up with boundary changes, and so there was a little bit of unknown there. But you made six gains, is that correct? No, we made... Uh, well, it's hard to, to, to work it out, really, because not only uh, did we move forward, but the number of seats was reduced as a whole. Uh, so we went up from 11 out of 90 to 15 out of... Uh, uh, 85, okay. uh, and another 120 votes in the right places in three wars, and I'd be reporting 18 uh, gains, uh, 18 seats. Uh, so it's uh, it was a tough call. Uh, on the night, we well, the next day, actually, when the counts came out, we were clearly disappointed. Uh, we hoped to go a bit further than 20. Uh, but us, why we look around at the fight in the North against urban labor. Uh, I, I likened it on the BBC to in the South, the Southwest, the Southeast now, we can make cavalry charges against the Tories. Up mm. in the North, we're in the trenches like World yeah. War I and we gain it a trench at a time. Yeah. Uh, now, that sounds as though I'm making excuses, and uh, I am. Uh, but <laughs> the, the, the reality of life is that at the moment, it's the Tories that are hugely unpopular. And where you've abolished the Tories, as we have in Liverpool, we ain't got much further to go, <laughs> except to keep nibbling away and nibbling away at a Labour vote. And that seems to be the pattern uh, across the north of England. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some of those patterns going forward, what it means for Labour, what it means for us and what it means for the Tories. But Martin, let's talk about let's talk about it. I mean, we spoke, uh, like you said, a week ago, it was yeah. before the, the thing, and... You were, I would say, you were confident but nervous. I mean, yeah. did you think that was that roughly in line with what you were expecting? Just remind me how many seats you gained. Was it fifteen, something like we that? We gained fifteen, um, so we now have twenty-eight and, a, and an eight-seat majority on a forty-eight council. So, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, really. I mean, it, it, the, I think the thing is that the, the, the media officer from the council asked me at the at the end. He said, "You know, if you had to sum it up in one word." what would it be? And I said, well, I'm a politician, so I won't use one word, but I'll use a <laughs> phrase. And it was, I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> because, because basically we had a, we had a, we, we needed 25 for a majority. We had a 25 seat strategy with five in reserve. We took every single one of the 25 and three of the reserves. So uh, to say that we expected it would be overstating it. To say that we thought it was possible is but you know things had to go our way is probably where it was but but you know we we have to be realistic uh, richard's absolutely right we're we're pushing on an open door down here at the moment in a way that parties in the north of england are not um but you've still got to put the work in and 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 you still got to congratulate yourselves at the end that you earned it is what i would say um so, Mark, I mean, I always like in the fact, I mean, I'm going to ask you in a second whether you, how much you saw this coming, because obviously this was at the higher end of even uh, most uh, pollsters didn't think the Lib Dems could do that. There was a wonderful, I think you retweeted it first, maybe, where the sky swingometer to the Lib Dems <laughs> didn't quite go as far as what we had even got. But, I mean, it, it, was, it was really interesting that 
I mean, HQ, and I don't want to give away any, any trades, it must have known it was looking good from all the data coming into Connect because they, they asked if I was available on Friday to film the stunt. And obviously I wasn't because I was at my count, but I thought the indications must have been looking good maybe a week or so out. Yeah, I think it's probably not giving away any secrets that would make the press office hate me to say, you know, an indication of just how well we did was we ended up winning control in all of the different locations that had been lined up for Ed's possible post-election <laughs> photo. Um, and I mean, in a sense, I slightly regret that because of my party role, obviously it's not sensible for me to make, you know, public predictions ahead of polling day. But had I been able to tweet what I had, you know, what I was saying to sort of, you know, senior colleagues who were asking me where we thought, you know, the figures were at, I was expecting it to be between three and 400 gains. So, you know, it was beyond even the top end of that, which was extremely good. But I have to say, I think our press office played a real blinder because the media mm. coverage was, you know, people be pegging us that, well, maybe they'll make 50 or 100 gains. It was just perfect in the sense that it was accurate that we were going forward. It meant it was positive media coverage, but also because the press, you know, weren't, hyping us up about making 500 plus gains or anything ludicrous like that. It meant there was loads of potential for us to exceed expectations in, in the public's eyes and get, you know, really good media coverage off the back of that. And the reason I mention that is because I think in part, you know, one of the things very understandably people up against Labour and, you know, as you illustrate, you know, said earlier, Richard, you know, uh, you know, finding it much tougher and it can sometimes be a little bit frustrating to sort of hear, you know, Ed or our other parliamentarians always in the media talking about beating the Tories, beating the Tories. Well, that in a way is the story that the media are interested in. But any news about us going forward is a positive story that actually helps mm. us where we're up against Labour or up against the nationalists as well. And so, you know, I hope the good news stories will uh, will further infuse people who are facing the tougher battles up against Labour in particular. Um, especially, you know, that there were some really good results. If I can maybe just pick one, I just thought Lincoln, you know, not an area of traditional huge Lib Dem success, but a small council group that's taken a, another, you know, fantastic leap forward this time. And I, I, across those sort of areas where we had either zero or one councillor up for election this time, in four times as many areas we went forward as we went back, which is a, yeah, a really good sign about the breadth of our progress. And I think that, Richard, is, is the key thing. Mark alluded to it before. So the, the, the Preston Lib Dems, we we held all our seats uh, comfortably, you know, kept people like myself got elected, but we missed out on two seats, both of with 100 wards, mm. and these were historically, you know, rock-solid Tory seats. Um, but actually, it's the progress being made. So we just have to think next year, because uh, Preston has elections every year, we need 108, sorry, 218 votes to make four gains next year which and i think that's the the main take we should yeah. always take from this is actually his progress is that right yeah. richard oh I, I, absolutely uh i mean i go back to a time when we had 72 out of 99 councillors and then there was a time in liverpool where you had to be called kemp have a cbe and represent church ward uh to be in our group we'd have accepted an mbe or an OBE. <laughs> We were, we were quite uh, choosy. And slowly, we built it up. We went from two to four, from four to seven, from seven to ten, from ten to twelve, and now up to fifteen. Uh, and uh, it gets, in some ways, there are elements of this which get easier. Uh, I've just done a, an interview uh, this morning with Radio Merseyside talking about 
this pattern. Uh, and for the, because of the circumstances of Liverpool, when there were just two of us, and there were actually two, four Greens and two independent Liberals, the press and the people always looked to us as the opposition party. Yeah. And they didn't realise we only had two. <laughs> and it, even when you've got 11, you've, you, you say, well, Richard, you must know, you're the leader of the opposition. And there's no way 11 of us could know what 8,500 people were doing with a budget of more than a billion pounds. But the expectation was that we are the opposition. We've always been the opposition. And now with 15, including the return of at least one old lag who must have re-offended, and that is welcoming back Lord Story uh, to the council, we've got a cracking Liberal Democrat group who can take on way more than our numbers of Labour in anything except the votes of the council chamber, unfortunately. Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about, we've, we've talked about how we did. I think, I think, like I said, the, our expectations were high and we succeeded them. So that, that's brilliant. Now, do we want to talk about the overall feeling after selection? There's been a lot of chat about, did Labour do as well as they expected? That's probably the, the big one. But what's an interesting anecdote, and there's lots of chat about uh, the Labour Party in Sheffield. And I just want to give a little shout out to the Lib Dems in Sheffield who were under enormous pressure from Labour and the Greens and held all their seats. So even think that that is as good as a victory for the for the Sheffield Lib Dems. But it's interesting, there's a lot of talk that the uh, Sheffield Labour Party is now being run by the National Party because they're, they're, they're disappointed in their results and that kind of command and control part of it. So do we think Labour is generally feeling a little bit flat after these elections? Because they obviously made some really significant gains in places. But for me, I, I think... It's below what I expected, Martin. I mean, you're you're in a Labour-free zone. We have a council with Richard with no Tories, and you are no Labour. But how do you feel Labour's feeling at the moment? Um, I don't really know how they're feeling. I mean, they're pretty annoyed around here. Again, that's that's kind of <laughs> always what happens, and that the, the hyperbole of the extent to which we hoodwink people is kind of off off the scale. Um, I mean, obviously, they're making great hay of their sort of saying we're 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 on course to make a, ma a majority at Westminster. Um, I mean, I've, West Streeting is going around sort of sort of saying, oh, it's the you know biggest biggest gains ever in ages. I, I don't I don't really really buy it. I mean, I would say from their if, if I was one of them from their perspective, they've kind of done fine. You know. Yeah. It's they've not they've not flatlined like they have in in recent times, but they haven't knocked it out of the park either. Um, and I think there's there's a certain amount of kind of um, boosterism going on at the moment about how how well they did without trying to kind of rain on parades or anything. But but the idea that they're sort of on course to steamroll the Conservatives without any any assistance from anybody else i just don't think is is realistic at all i mean when when mark eventually will get the figures showing exactly where the vote went to whom i mean the, these stats always come out but i'm very interested in our in the three-way marginal we had in Preston that we narrowly missed, which was, which was an awkward one because it was a Tory-held three-way marginal. And actually, us and Labour both went up the same amount. We both went up 9%, but Labour just had that little bit more than us and, and, and took that seat. But I suppose, is that? do you think that's kind of indicative? Do you agree with Martin that, you know, Labour, they'll be happy but not delighted? Yeah, and I think that it's interesting just 
sort of listening to colleagues where, who they didn't succeed, uh, sadly, you know, a few days ago, and where a high Labour vote has been part of the story, um, is that it's really been a Labour vote that didn't, you know, wasn't squeezable enough. Um, as opposed to, and you know, Richard will particularly remember this in the 1990s when Blair was in his leader of the opposition sort of heyday. Actually, Labour was sweeping from third to leapfrog us, you know, in second place to actually win win seats very often. And there isn't anything of that sort of sense. And I think you know there is a uh, well, you know, there is a maybe it's a partly a canniness, uh, an increased canniness by the electorate in terms of picking who do they think can say beat the Tories. But I think it is also a lack of enthusiasm for Labour. Um, I was struck that in two different places where I actually went out canvassing, where I we were calling on an area with lots of known Labour voters. One place that we won, one place that sadly we didn't win. Um, and, you know, the place that we didn't win, we didn't manage to squeeze the Labour vote enough. But the thing that was common in both places was that the conversations with voters, just Keir Starmer's popularity didn't feature. You know, it wasn't a oh, well, I quite like you, or I've seen your bar chart, but I love Keir Starmer, in the way that in the 90s it would have been, oh, but I, you know, I really like that Tony Blair, I want to vote for it. Um, so I think, I think, I think it weirdly, the best consolation for Labour in many ways is that they, you know, they did decently, but actually us doing well probably is a, you know, is a helpful sign for them, because some of the places where they, they didn't do so well, it's because voters decided to pick us as the best route for beating the Tories and that's obviously great for us but uh but yeah if I was Labour I would be a little bit nervous because Labour so rarely win general elections but I do think the general attempted media story from some of the right-leaning outlets about oh there's now a road path back for Sunak etc is 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 just trying to read too much into these election results. I mean does anyone think the Tories can take anything good from this election at all? I no, I, I mean it's just they just I mean it, it's difficult to look at other than complete annihilation for some of that you know and the the poor uh, I can't remember which lady MP it was who was doing the Sunday shows was saying yes but we took one seat here and two seats there and that's their level really at the moment but I mean that's Martin again story John for the yeah. poor Lib Dem MP who's doing was the rounds was it Sunday. was it Gillian Keegan. It might have been actually, yeah, but um, but yeah, it, it is. Uh, she just got absolutely tonked in her seat because no. um, because in in, in Chichester, mm. you know, they made they made fourteen gains and they've got a, a majority of fourteen now with control of the <laughs> council. So um, you know, I might be Greg wrong. His Twitter feed is a good fun read. You know, if, if if you would if you read read his Twitter feed, you'd think there are only elections in about seven wards in the country. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. But I mean, do, where do Labour go from here then? Because this is obviously will reflect nationally. Because obviously, a lot of our listeners will be will be very interested about what this means going forward. But actually, I've got to do one campaigning thing. Remember, folks, all the stuff about knowing where your voters are. The key thing you've got to do is get hold of your mark registers, especially yeah. if you are if you haven't got elections in four years. Get, you have to get them within a year, so don't wait too long. Get them in, and if you really don't want the hassle of it, do the ALDC automatic uh, system thing, and saves you loads and loads of time. But if you want to track where your voters are, do that because it's a really useful thing. But getting back on onto Labour, but Richard, obviously you're in a a, a very Labourish city. I mean, they're a kind of unique brand of Labour in Liverpool. Um, but do you think they'll be happy with where they're going? 
Uh, well, they are absolutely cock a hoop uh, in Liverpool at the moment because they, their story is they held us off, and let's be frank, they did. Mm. Uh, but behind the facade of Labour, uh, are a lot there's a lot of bitterness. Uh, a lot of people weren't allowed to stand or being chucked out of the party. Two of their MPs only just succeeded <laughs> in in their process of uh, of being readopted. Uh, they've lost um, a considerable portion of their Corbynite uh, uh, membership. Uh, we might say, well, that's quite good, and certainly Keir Starmer would, but actually for uh, three or four years, those are the most energised part of the Labour Party. Uh, so where do they go? Well, I, I just go back as... Uh, Mark has reminded you, I was around in the 90s. He, he kindly didn't mention the 1890s. 80s, but, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, in 1997, everyone knows that Tony Blair won. Uh, in 1998, we gained 10 seats and took the council in Liverpool off Labour and then built on that for the next three years. So I think there's a very superficial attraction uh, to a very superficial uh, person uh, at the moment, a very superficial party. Uh, and I think when liberals, and I say that with a small L, understand what they're going to say about uh, uh, not repealing the appalling legislation which led to arrests uh, in London yesterday, they're not going back uh, on, on Brexit to try and redeem that. Uh, people will say, I'm going to get the Tories out will very quickly say, but I don't like that bloody Labour Party because they're not bloody delivering. And it's a very shallow support, that as well. If your vote is solely get someone else out, then quickly you can be replaced with other people and it's not a very particularly strong vote that's latched onto your core beliefs. And that does also raising about something me and Martin talked about in our in our pre-election one is about activity levels. So I've been very surprised about the level of activity with it by summer labor has been actually fairly diminished. A lot of paid delivery, not a lot of people hitting those payments. So I do wonder if there's also a sense of that. A, you might be right. The Corbynista group, the momentum lot have gone, but also. I don't think I don't find massive enthusiasm within the Labour Party. It's not something like I think. Well, they're absolutely going to rollick to victory. Keir Starmer is the next Blair. I think it, it, it's it feels trying, Mark. Yeah, and I think um, I think the good thing from our perspective is that Labour seems to really be focusing in on trying to re win the red wall, uh, the red wall and perceives that the voters it needs to win, which I think is a little bit stereotypical, but that it needs to win sort of socially authoritarian leave supporters. I think the red wall is actually much more nuanced than that, but that's who they seem to be aimed at. And in a way, if you are a socially authoritarian leave voter, I, I guess I would rather that you did vote Labour rather than the Conservatives. <laughs> uh, but also, crucially for us as a party, that leaves a lot of political space for us. Yeah, And, you know, we absolutely shouldn't be at all presumptive about the outcome of the general election, but it's sensible to begin to think about, well, what would we do if there was a Labour Prime Minister? How do we continue to progress as a party? And looking at, you know, Keir Starmer's policy positions this year, I feel, and I think certainly others I speak to as well in the party, feel, you know, it quite comfortable at the sense of there will be political space for us under a Labour Prime Minister to continue to grow and prosper in a way that, again, sometimes under other popular leaders of the opposition, it's felt a lot more, ooh, 
we there's a change of government are we you know what's going to you know what's going our role going to be it feels like starmer is leaving a large space mm-hmm. for liberals uh, to look elsewhere and uh, we need to make sure they look to us martin your your view i mean you are like you're saying ready to to fill that space um so what next for the lib dems in the south where you are yeah, I mean, listening to that, I was just sort of thinking as well, it's like, well, if that's going to be the focus of the Labour Party, um, if that's what they feel like they need to do, it's it's not going to win them that many friends around mm. here. Um, you know, if we've still got to be pushing at that soft conservative vote that we have to, to, to win, you know, they, they, they're not going to get any of that. They don't have to worry about so much of that stuff with us. But I don't think Labour's quite quite so toxic as they're like well i'd like to vote for you but i can't put up with mm. that jeremy yeah. corbyn i don't think we're in that sort of territory mm. so i think it sets i think it sets fair fair weather for us here to a certain extent um i think just reflecting on your question a few minutes ago of uh is there anything good about this for the conservatives i think i would say well yeah it they're out of the way and it's over <laughs> You know, because I, I think they've been worried about this for a very long time. And it's kind of like, oh, just please, yeah, just don't make it hurt too much. And we'll come out <laughs> the other side uh, because they knew what they were in for. And they'll be sort of telling themselves, well, we've hit we've hit rock bottom now. The only way is up. And I've already had their MP around here telling me, oh, I think I think the vote's already been moving back towards us since January, but obviously not quite enough. Um, so that's that's going to be the the story there but that um, be, that's a very dangerous strategy to think though when you've got well, I, know, I know this was a huge set of elections this year but there's mm. still significant elections next may yeah. based on 2021 where the tories had a really good year mm. so i yeah. think that that is an, a, a cliff edge waiting for them yeah i mean i think the, the you know the good down in this there's almost this kind of a the surrey and sussex thing is like everybody knew that you know the, the the golden halo or whatever the real targets and stuff there's a lot of them in in surrey and we've done really well in those seats i think i think in sussex we've kind of sort of snuck up on the rails a little bit and gone always oh, it's, it's there as well too because there's a whole swathe across chichester and horsham next to each other there's a little band down there and mid sussex as well where Alison's making a, a, a number of gains. I think what number are they saying? Was it? You sent it to me. Uh, eight gains, including the leader, um, largest party on on twenty out of forty eight. There's a sort of a swathe down there, and you know we're we've got two two MP two two government ministers here. There's another one in Chichester. There's another minister in Mid Sussex who are going to be getting quite 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 edgy. And I think you know there's 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 some interesting decisions about approach to take down here as well my only slight nervousness because i'm a bit of a glass half empty person is the minute i sort of hear ed on telly obviously very excited but when they're sort of saying what's what does this do for your target list is it getting longer and he says well it is now i immediately go oh careful yeah and mark this is obviously raises things that came up in the thornhill review that you know we owe we 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 spread ourselves too thin going forward and taking these results because there's we have to remember again there's a caveat on all these it is a, a much lower turnout people do vote different reasons in locals compared to nationals and we have to obviously not lose discipline yeah exactly and i think it's what five general elections in a row where certainly with the advantage of hindsight and 
in most of them, actually, you didn't need hindsight either. We were targeting too many seats. And so, and one might say optimism is often a, you know, an attribute of, of liberals. And one might say it's also a necessary attribute of any smaller political party. So, you know, but we should recognise that our house style come a general election is to be over optimistic. And so I think, you know, particularly in my role as party president, I think actually one of the hardest sets of decisions between now and the general election is getting that balance between seizing the opportunity yeah. and over optimism right because uh you know you you could look at that run of five mistakes in a row and say well clearly we just have to be not even the glass is half empty the glass is that you know only half full you know the glass is only a quarter full you know we need to be really in that sense dour and, and hard-nosed about it on the other hand if we are facing the Tories being voted out, that's something that happens phenomenally rarely, sadly. And there is an opportunity there we absolutely don't want to pass up. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a challenge I'm looking forward to. But I appreciate <laughs> it's going to be a really difficult one. I mean, it's a fantastic challenge to have to worry about rather than worrying about, oh, my goodness, how do we avoid extinction? So this is definitely a step up from a couple of years ago. But uh -huh. it, you're right, Martin, it's a tricky one. And Richard, isn't there will be a, an issue here? And this is this. I might be getting uh, a wrong take on this, and feel free any of you to disagree with me. But do we now have to find some sort of selling point for the Lib Dems outside of the Tory South, other than just saying we are the community champions? Because if Labour can get a bump with doing relatively little, that community champion thing might not keep us where we need to be. Uh, and obviously, again, we're kind of. We're treating the North and the South as some huge homogenous blocks, when obviously we know, I mean, if Lisa Smart was here, they'd say they've wiped out the Tories in her constituency and the neighbouring Cheadle constituency. Yeah. That, that element of Northern Blue Wall, or whatever you want to call it, you know, that is looking very good for us going forward, Richard. But do, yeah. do the Lib Dems now have to figure out what our selling point is to Scottish Lib Dems, to Welsh Lib Dems, to and to Northern Lib Dems as well. Oh, Scottish and Wales is beyond my uh, experience. <laughs> uh, although I do have a daughter now lives in the Outer Hebrides. Um, I think that uh, we have to be careful with our messaging uh, without being deceitful about our mes messaging. It's what we emphasise in different areas. And even... Uh, in different parts of Liverpool. So I mentioned before things like PR, civil liberties and things like that would go down very well in the campaign against the Labour Party in the areas that are currently represented by Lib Dems because they're the university educated areas. That would be like a bucket of coal sick if we went to North Liverpool with it. So it, it's it, you have to be very careful what Labour is and who you're talking about. And in some ways, it's the same with the Tories. I know nice Tories. Uh, and in some areas, they tend to be better the, the, than others. But I wouldn't overestimate Labour's uh, ability to deliver. And I mean that literally. Uh, in parts of Liverpool, they struggled to find a candidate. Uh, in fact, it's the first time I've ever seen it. Someone was on one uh, set of you know the official papers that went up as having withdrawn because they switched him at the last minute to another ward, but he'd already put his nomination papers in. There was a, 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 a woman who made a retiring speech at the council and suddenly popped up fighting us. <laughs> well, not fighting. She only did it on the basis there was no way she was going to beat Andrew Lakinson. Uh, so... 
we think sometimes we're the only people who can't get candidates, who can't get deliverers, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, such as the decline of volunteering generally, and that's a wider uh, topic, uh, we're all struggling to find decent candidates and put decent campaigns behind them, even in areas like Liverpool, where the Labour Party is basically very strong. Right. If, if, yeah, if I, could come, if I could just come in, I mean, I, obviously, far, far be it for me to tell people in the in the in the north what's going to work. But I mean, I did grow up in the in the in the in the Derbyshire Dales in the Midlands, so I've got a bit more. I'm not completely just from <laughs> down here, but I do think there's a little bit of something in 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 some of what we tried to do down here which is around um, competence yeah. and having a plan which I think can work equally well against Labour. You know, we weren't just saying, get the Tories out, we're not the Tories. It's like, here's what we want to do. Things. Our whole campaign was vote for better. We can do it better. And, you know, it, we're in an environment, I think, across the country where, you know, you don't have to be a genius to be able to point out what the problems are. They're all around you, but it's who's got the answers? Mm. <laughs> you know, we're the answers party. We're the party with a plan and we're the party with a plan that you can actually believe in as opposed to just telling people whatever they want to hear. And, you know, I think I think there's there's potentially something in that, in those areas where we're up against Labour. Let's just go back to the concept of community politics. Mm. Because uh, I know I got 55% of the vote, 1,200, whatever it was, votes. But I don't know how many of them voted Liberal Democrat. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's particularly true in local elections. I said to Erica uh, on election night, I've gone round the last visit round the polling station. I said, I don't need to go to the count tomorrow. So she said, why is that? I said, because I've won. Because you knew what the reception was. Hey, Richard, three votes here. We're all out for you. It was like queuing up outside, you know, the vicar, a church outside. One of the polls says there was a queue of people coming over to shake hands. And I said to Erica, I think I've got about a thousand friends out there. And if you've got a thousand friends, you're going to win. And uh, sometimes I think that we uh, we spend a lot of time on very expensive literature particularly and i'm particularly talking about local elections here it's different from parliamentary and i think i get as many votes by going out litter picking wandering around the streets having chats and nattering uh, as i do because i'm a liberal democrat uh, and uh, i but that is liberal democracy in action to me so that isn't a contradiction in terms because no other bugger will do it you can't see the labor party say my way to becoming a councillor is litter picking because they just want to be in the town hall and then someone else could do the same thing but can i just confirm something you said there richard did you get 55% of the vote Yes, that's great. I got fifty six, so that's uh, that, that's really important. <laughs> you, see, Richard, you should have done more literature. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, <laughs> it, it was a, a new ward with uh, twenty five percent of the ward coming in, so I had to. Well, mute I did win all the polling districts, but no, but I mean, of course, ours is a very rough area. And, and remind me, Martin, what's your majority on the council? Unlike these other two opposition. <laughs> oh, councils. come on, you're trying to humiliate me now. <laughs> decent, decent, <laughs> I would say. But that just talk about boundary changes. Uh, that just sort of brings me into some of what else is happening around here. We, 
you know, we ruthlessly went after uh, the one ward that is coming out of the Arundel and South constituency into ours that's never, ever been held by us before. And, and we managed to split it with the Conservatives. We got one there. And that was part of the planning ahead to sort of go, well, if we're going to go for somewhere in the south of the district, let's make it one that's going to have some payoff for us in the future. And we are, there are, it's not a great story everywhere across West Sussex, but, you know, some of the boundary changes are going to be favourable to us um, for the general election. It's going to hopefully help Alison over in, in mid-Sussex make that one more winnable. I'm not sure it's quite so great over in Chichester, but there are there are changes going on, and we're taking that into account in our planning and our, our plans of attack for local council elections to then try and build towards that. And, and I think what we have to do now is to be a successful council. Because, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But I think one of the key things, Mark, going forward is keeping that motivation going because, you know, we've, we've talked, to, we've kind of not talked down the results, but we've added a little bit of realism to what this means. But actually, they were spectacular results. They do, and one of the key things is they do give the Lib Dems a huge morale boost. We had we had people in my group WhatsApp and our local party going, you know, this is fantastic. You know, you look at the map of all the places Lib Dems have gained. You can now walk from London to somewhere beyond Devon or Somerset without actually ever leaving a Lib Dem controlled council now. But one of the key things we want people to do is harness that optimism. If they haven't got elections next year, go out and find a target seat. So we, I know I'm taking my guys to to Hazel Grove, to Cheadle, to do canvassing and active and kind of active kind of weekends campaigning for Tom Morrison and Lisa Smart so they get them over the line in the election. And that will keep that energy going, but also do a real useful purpose for those target seats. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, you know, one lesson from the elections this year that we began to see last year as well, but really confirmed this year, is that our ability or the potential for us to win outstrips our capacity to actually run winning yeah. campaigns. Yeah. But yeah. And, it, you know, it's a little bit different in a few places where actually, you know, we were really sort of, you know, at the limits of of what seemed, you know, seemed plausible to be able to try to win. And we were able to run campaigns across all of those places. But in general, certainly the broad picture across the country is there are more wards that we can win yeah. than there are wards that we managed to find candidates who wanted to win this time yeah. around. And yeah, so I yeah. think the big, you know, people are thinking, particularly if, you, if they got local elections next year, well, what's the sort of lesson to draw from, from these elections? It's just the importance of definitely get a break, get a rest. So this isn't a sort of something for tomorrow morning, but the importance of getting the capacity building and the campaigning going this side of Christmas, the next May. Um, and and I was, you know, I, I met several people actually who were found as sort of wannabe council candidates post-Christmas who I went out campaigning with and many of them are now councillors, which is, which is brilliant. But it's really, again, it's a really striking pattern that the places that had done the most before Christmas yeah. were, you know, by and large, the places that did the, the best come polling day. Um, so I think that long, you know, because it takes time to find people who want to be good candidates. It, you know, it takes time to build up a delivery network. It takes time to begin to build up the canvas data, particularly in areas where it's hard to find people in on a weekday evening and so on. So um, lots of people are very deserving of a really good rest first. Or Martin straight into the, all of the difficulties of getting to grips with running a council, but oh yeah, <laughs> let, let's remember we, we'll start winning next year before Christmas this year. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to disagree with our, our beloved president. Uh, have a rest. I think that's <laughs> I'm a quarter of the way through my thank you focus. Uh, and and going go very well delivering it out in the sun. Uh, but but you, your, your principle is absolutely yeah. right. I mean, I always think everything you do before Christmas is worth twice as much as mm. what you do afterwards. Yeah. If you want to build up, and I mean, again, this is particularly for local councils, the relationship with people. So they want to go out for to vote for Richard or Mark or John. You don't do that in the last two months. You start now. And, and it was this time last year that I knew where the new boundaries were going to be. And I started work in the new path that was coming into my ward. And we didn't do as well as in the ward that I was established in, but we won the polling district there. Uh, and probably the year before, we hadn't got more than three or four percent of the vote there. And I think one thing that I, I just nipped away there to get to, because I was assessing what we want to do in summer in Preston and, and where our shortfalls were, where we're going to do better. And last summer, we did the usual kind of summer surveys, get that voter ID, get the topics that really matter to residents, which is still important. But one thing, particularly in Preston, because we have elections every single year, we never have a year off, is that when you're a slightly smaller group, you forget about the building, the infrastructure building, and actually, because it's easy just to put that off, and just well, I'll just handle it myself. When actually it becomes like a bit of a false economy that because if if you get two people to suddenly one person who liaises with you know volunteers, another person that will do the press, someone else who can deliver for every hour they're taking off your hands, that is so much more useful. And actually, and don't don't forget, people, I'm going to hold this up for people watching. There's a whole load of kind of uh, uh, recruitment resource that you can uh, to get off the shelf. Because one thing, actually, I did notice this election, and I'll, I mean, the amount of Lib Dems that had very different leaflets, it is absolutely staggering how much we adapt these things instead of using the templates and whether that is a, a worthwhile use of your time. Mm. But certainly this, that could, well, I'll, Mark might have a uh, thoughts on that. I have but strong I views. Yeah. But actually... Yeah. What I'm going to do this summer, more than anything, before I get into the hardcore campaigning, is actually spend... Because, again, in Connect, if you don't know, there is, like, kind of volunteer recruitment tags that you can go and find. And we know if you get, like, one in ten people who might be interested in doing something, you know, for us in Preston, that would be hundreds of people based on our canvas data that we've got. We just don't ask them. We just haven't had time to ask them. So, actually, I'm going to spend a significant chunk of the summer just doing the recruitment stuff just obviously we'll get our focus leaders out and all that stuff but actually concentrating on getting that infrastructure in place um and my, i'll let you come in on my thing about lots of different leaflets because i feel like you were you were itching to say something on it yeah you're absolutely right it's you know there are lots of really good templates around both from aldc and from you know Libdem hq um, and they're templates that have been used for literally thousands and thousands of winning election campaigns. And it's just such a frustrating shame when you see people putting the time and effort into reinventing the wheel and it's not a very round wheel. Mm. And, you know, in, a, in one sense, I don't want to be too critical of people who are nonetheless voluntarily giving up their time to design. A, you know, we should be grateful for their willingness to do that. But their time and effort could be so better used if it wasn't reinvent, you know, trying to reinvent a wheel. And if you've not got experience of, you know, running winning election campaigns, you it's, you know, not no shame on you if the wheel that you reinvent isn't round. But you've got loads of round wheels available from uh, I was about to say Hebden Bridge, the 
betraying my age there. It's quite a few years since ALDC been abusing that, whether it's from ALDC or from from HQ. So, I, yeah, I would just always always look to the templates. The templates well, work I would, well. With all due respect. Again, another disagreement, Richard, honestly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I uh, think that a lot of the stuff we put out, particularly if it's glossy, looks like the stuff that goes through the door from the local chip shop and mm. the undertakers and God knows what. So I'm one of these pesky people who does it himself and it looks amateur but I always remember in the 70s when focus really started we were using Letraset and turning these upside down to make a C and things like that there was a survey done about why people liked our literature and it was because it looked as though we were volunteers from the community doing something. Now, again, this isn't a lesson for parliamentary campaigns, but I think sometimes we do over-professionalise our leaflets. There isn't enough quirkiness and content in it. And a lot of people will say to me, I like your little leaflet, because it's only got four things on it. Because if we put eight things on it, they wouldn't read four of them. So I do think we need to think through and do a little, perhaps a bit more research and say, what is it that actually attracts people to pick up the leaflet and open mm. it rather than put it straight in the bin? I think, I, I think in defence of the templates, there are templates <laughs> that do that, Richard. Yeah. But the content <laughs> is crucial as well. You've got to have the local issues that you're working on yeah. to be able yeah. to... I think, yeah. I, think I, I wouldn't there's disagree some... with that. Uh, a good design with nowt in it, it's useless. Yeah. <laughs> There's something in, in, in both, I think. I think, Richard, if you saw the leaflet that we've normally been putting out until literally Christmas in my ward for the last 20, 28 years, you would love it. It is absolutely <laughs> what you're saying. And also, at the same time, what I'm going to be saying to all, this is the ward we've held for 28 years, and what I'm going to be saying to a lot of my new group members is... Um, whilst where I live is absolutely fantastic, there is no magic or special thing about this ward that makes it that. Why have we held Trafalgar for 28 years? I'll tell you, it's, and this is going to be less than some of you, but it's a lot round here. It's like four, four leaflets a year, like clockwork for 28 years. Now we need to up that and we need others to be doing it the same. But I think at the same time, what we were looking to do with this time, especially in a Tory facing area down here in the south of England, we were trying to say, look, we are we are we are the champ community champions here. We are the volunteers that you can rely on, but we're also mm. looking to take over a council and run it that has multi-million pounds budget and we need to look like we can do it. Actually, I think the rule is though, I think a diversity of content is yes. fine. Um, it's whether you are best using your limited hours that mm. you have available. I think that is the key. Because what I don't, I just see if if the content is virtually identical, but you're just shifting the blocks a little bit and making it look a little bit different, that's just wasting your time. You know, if you've got loads of time, you love doing it, fine. You know, but actually most of us don't. Most of us are squeezing this in with really complex personal lives, family lives, you know, businesses and work and everything else. So actually just sometimes people just need help to be able to help themselves. And I think that's probably where we're getting at rather than the actual... If, if you plan and, and think through, so what, what it takes me about an hour to do an A3 focus. So you can tell how crap they are, basically. <laughs> but yeah. why can I do it so quickly? Because I've already done a tweet 
on that subject, mm. or some of it's been part <clears> of the blog. <throat> I can do it quickly because I'm using the photograph I took when I went round, the tweet that I did, and the message that I sent to the council. And I just all add all those up either into a street letter. Uh, my ward now only has 2,600 houses, uh, five and a half thousand people, and they're mostly terraced, which is even uh, even better. But if if you plan what you're doing, so I I did my focus leaflet because I had it all ready to go because I've been doing things during the elections which I didn't put into election literature. So we yeah. just need to be more thoughtful about what we're doing and collecting things in such a way that we can bring it out at the right time. Yeah, and a, and a, a fantastic example of that actually are the Eastleigh leaflets. Yes, indeed. Because um. A, a sort of friend of mine lives in Eastleigh and so occasionally just pops me in the post copies of leaflets they've had through their door. So I probably see as much of our literature in Eastleigh as the typical voter does, because, you know, I don't see all of it. But the, the stuff that I get sent, I actually read it, which, uh, which is obviously one up on what most voters <laughs> do most of the time. So and I, it, there's just a really clear message that comes through it. You know, I can't remember the details of which road there is the pothole that got fixed. Away, but there's a really clear message about managing council tax really well, doing sensible, sustainable development and being all over all sorts of local casework issues. And that's a really powerful combo. But it, it, it's combining the sort of this, I think, comes back to your point, Martin, in a way, the, the bigger picture bit, you know, the thing about this is why you should trust us with running the council with also that we really know the community like the back of our hand and we're really on all of those different local issues that need to get sorted out. That's a really powerful well, isn't Isn't that the bit that we don't get right when converting local support into general mm. election support mm. is that people trust us with potholes, they don't sometimes trust us with parliament votes. And I think that is the, the thing where you've got to, and I think we, you know, you can win locally by just being Mr. Pothole, Mr. Community Champion, to convert that vote into, I want to send that person to Parliament, that is the next stage. And for that, yeah. is what Martin said, you have to, they have to have faith that you are capable, you're competent to be able to take that leap and be sensible with it. And us as a party also have to put that message on, you know, because we can get distracted with issues that the, the general public doesn't really care about, but and you can be interested, but you've still got to hit the big ticket ones. Are we, and you can see it with the Labour group now, Rachel Reeves is determined to be Mrs Sensible with your money. She's desperate to appeal to that middle England Tory vote that doesn't trust Labour with their money. She's desperately trying to fill that gap. And as the Lib Dems going forward, they might trust us in Town Hall, but will they trust us in Westminster? And I, I, think, I think there's an answer to it, which is, it's almost like there's a gradation. You're right, the pothole is the sort of the super local thing. Yeah, but there's the next thing up from that, which is the the school crossing, or the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, it's like the pothole, but it's getting into education, it's getting into bigger policy areas, it's getting you know, and then the school crossing. There's the getting the playground refurbished at the local school. That you know, and there's a sort of a a tier of things yeah. which I think that so the really good PPCs, the really good MPs, in a way, are doing very similar things to what say Richard you know mentions with his leaflets. Except yeah. that it tends to be the things that have that slightly, uh, I was going to say bigger scale, which is a bit unfair to actually people campaigning on potholes because potholes make a really big difference to people's lives, but more naturally sort of fit with the national government. But, but, but you're right about the gradation and then building it mm -hmm. up. So I will say to people, I come round, I listen, I take notice of this. And when I go and speak in the town hall, 
about the solution to mm. this. It's because I've listened to you. Yeah. I've had 20 conversations about potholes, about school crossing, about the state of education, what's happening in the parks, what's happening in the library. I develop policies about that for the town hall. And if I was a parliamentary candidate, I'd say Liverpool, Manchester, Sheffield, or what have you. All that experience is what we take to Parliament. But it all starts in the same place. And I suppose what, what, Martin, what Martin's got to figure out now and what we have to figure out in the run-up to the general election is taking that... Because you can have a school issue, a pothole issue, a highways issue, whatever else, which isn't politically aligned with our values. You know, it's just something's not working. We want it to be fixed. Now, what Martin's got to do as a leader of a council and what our, our target areas is saying, OK, how does that align then with our principles and why should you vote Lib Dem going forward? And I think, Martin, that's... I mean, you're, you're, I'm not asking you to figure out your entire, no. <laughs> entire council <laughs> philosophy now, but you must be thinking about that. What is a good Lib Dem Horsham council? Yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> one that's... Well, I, I just think it's... Um, it's not, it's not all about me, but I guess I am the leader. I think it's about doing what we said we would do. It's about doing what we said we would do. Saying to people, this is what we put in front of you. Here is us delivering it. Because that's that's how you build up that record. And that's what we want to be as a party, right? Yes, we want to be, be, be in freedom and, and, and liberty and, 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 and all of those good things. But politics is fundamentally about trust can i trust this person are they going to do what they said they're going to do i was i was very keen in 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 the campaign about saying to people i'm, I'm not uh, we need to give people a vision about what we're going to do but we also need to i will not promise people things i can't deliver yeah. Um, and now that we've we've come in with a, with a vision of what we want to do, we need to deliver it on it because you know that's that's just that's important to us and it's important to people. Um, and of course, every the trouble the, the first thing that I'm starting to realise is, of course, that um, 36 hours later, there's already loads and loads of people out there who've, who think you've promised lots of things that you didn't actually <laughs> promise at all. So now, now you've got to try and work out, well, am I going to try and deliver that or am I going to try and explain to them, well, actually, what we said was. Uh, <laughs> Could I just put in a, a plug before we finish, John? Yeah. Uh, for those people who've moved forward in particular, but in some cases moved mm. back, uh, we have quite a sophisticated change of control operation, which is better than any other party. There are people, uh, you know, and like Lisa, perhaps one of the reasons she couldn't come is she's helping with councils. I'm helping four councils that have advanced. We're here to help people like Martin, in some cases who've not been in control before, mm -hmm. how to hit the ground running within the council, within the group, within the party. So if there's anyone here watching this in a situation where they've moved forward and don't know what to do, get hold of ALDC, get hold of the LGA Liberal Democrat group. We've got someone who can come and help you. It might be a Zoom meeting. It might be five days work that the LGA will pay for. Uh, don't go it alone. Just like don't do your own templates. We've all made these mistakes before. <laughs> so we've made them and we want to come and help you uh, avoid them. So get in touch uh, and you really will benefit from that.
Uh, just Mike... back, 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 rooted up. We are getting that assistance. Excellent. You know, yeah. That is in place. Yeah, it wasn't aimed at you. It was. No, big, no, no, big, no. But just, to, just to validate that point, it's happening yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. Right, Martin, I want to let you start us off with our, your final thoughts mm. on this last, uh, on the results and which way forward. Your final thoughts, Martin, uh, to, to finish off this podcast. I'd better keep it something that's fit for broadcast, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, wasn't it fantastic? Um, it, you know, aim, aim high, work hard, and it's, it's possible. Um, so this is all really incoherent, but that's just the last sort of few days I've had. But like, and kind of now, now the work begins. But um, yeah, um, it's just really satisfying to, and I know I'm, I'm very conscious it didn't didn't happen for everybody. But you know, some sometimes you know when you when you come up with a good plan and put the work in, you know you you can achieve great things. Richard, your final thoughts. Uh, I would just emphasise the point that Mark made. Uh, even though some of us didn't go as far as we, we liked and a few regressed, we all watched the BBC and followed the Guardian <clears throat> on Thursday and Friday. And the morale boosting of Liberal Democrats winning anywhere yeah. applies everywhere. Uh, and that's why, uh, like uh, John, we've decided what our general election strategy will be in Liverpool. It's uh, getting on the motorway down the M56 to Stockport and Cheadle. That's why you'll be pleased to know, John, that you didn't win this year because I wasn't helping you, but I'll be back in Preston next May as so I haven't got any elections. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you did that because I was going to do a plug, you know, for also those areas that don't have that don't have elections, there will be lots of areas nearby that do. Uh, I know because I'm going to use it Lancashire as an example. So lots of Lancashire is done on all outs, but Preston isn't. So, you know, that's the kind of rallying cry of getting people. And you get a chocolate orange if you go to uh, Preston to help. Well, uh, give me, give <laughs> Send me the... your action day details, John. <laughs> <laughs> right. And Mark, finish off this uh, episode um, with thoughts from the president. Yeah. So I guess, well, two thoughts. One is we... Um, We'll have got our first, we'll have gone from zero to two Liberal Democrat council leaders from an ethnic minority background, which is a really important step forward. Again, it's part of what we need to get right for our long term success and to be true to our values. But the other thing is, you know, we're recording this on a bank holiday. So tomorrow morning when Martin goes into work at the town hall and when Ed Davey goes into work in Parliament, Martin actually has got more power change people's lives you know tomorrow than ed does i'm sure ed will make you know a useful impact on many people's lives tomorrow particularly if he's got you know, a, a, a surgery or you know casework that he's working on but truth be told tomorrow morning martin's got more power to improve people's lives and that is because of the efforts of huge numbers of people who are listening to the podcast who in all sorts of different ways have helped martin and, you know, so many other Liberal Democrats become council leaders uh, this time round, which is just fantastic for their communities, fantastic for their party. And we can never say thank you enough to everyone whose efforts have gone into that and wish Martin in particular all the very best <laughs> for making the most of that. 
And uh, I wonder, you know, it will be an interesting start to find out is exactly how many hundreds of thousands, probably millions of people who were under Tory-controlled areas are no longer in Tory areas, because that is a, a serious fundamental shift in actually the, the controlling, because we haven't actually talked about how important local councils are. We've talked about this, but actually those day-to-day -day services, we know when Lib Dems run councils, they run them really well. You know, you look at the top councils for recycling rates, they're all Lib Dem. You know, this is when Lib Dems do something, we tend to do it right. So no pressure at all, Martin. Uh, we will do <laughs> Horsham Council Watch regularly on, on the <laughs> podcast. Um, but thank you so much, uh, Richard, Mark and Martin, for, for coming on the show. We'll have lots more coming up because, like I said, there's lots to digest from this uh, election and there'll be lots of consequences that we, we will see going on. How do the Tories respond to this? We're, I mean, lots of, there's already chat about Sunak, but they're not going to get rid of Sunak, but there'll be loads of consequences. And also then how we gear up to the general election. We'll have things about how our manifestos are coming along. We'll have how we start to campaign in ourselves, do that, that kind of gut politics and that head politics that you've got to get both of them right in the run-up to a general election. So thank you very much for watching and listening. Make sure you subscribe to the Nevermind the Bar Charts uh, podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure you follow Mark and them on social media. Make sure you follow all our guys on, on, on social media if they're on. I'm not sure Martin is on so that many social medias, but um, <laughs> probably now your council leader is probably best staying off. I think well, that's yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. the way to go. He'll have flunkies to do it now. Yeah, okay. that's right. He'll have people for those people. Yeah, that's right. But it's it's fantastic uh, to see us all. And well done to all those people that had such a great um, result last week. And we'll be back with more episodes very soon. But in the meantime, have a good rest of your week.